0: The story is told of a young man who was leading a church service for the very first time. He was naturally very nervous. And he began the service by announcing, We will now sing our opening hymn, How Great I Am. (laughs) It was, of course, a slip of the tongue that was readily excused. But it is inexcusable when we come to believe, if not to sing, how great I am rather than how great thou art. When we reverse the reality that God made man in his own image and man begins to make God in his own image. When that happens to a person or a society, God sends reminders to demonstrate how wrong we are. Sometimes a reminder falls into the category of what we call a natural disaster, which the insurance companies have right. is in fact an act of God. At other times, a human agency serves to make God's point. But before such painful events, God issues written or spoken warnings. And in the past, these warnings were communicated by people known as prophets. People who spoke God's word. And over this year, on Sunday mornings, if you've been with us, we've been studying together the written record of the life and messages of such a man named Jeremiah. He lived some 2,600 years ago, in the tiny kingdom of Judah, the southern part of a once great nation called Israel, the chosen people of God. And over a century before Jeremiah lived, the northern larger part of the kingdom had been wiped off the map. Its survivors carried off into exile because they had failed to heed the warnings that God sent through His prophets. And tragically, the southern half, the remainder, the kingdom of Judah, had failed to learn from this and was rapidly heading in the same direction. And so Jeremiah was given the thankless task of warning them to change their ways before it was too late. Yet, all to no avail. Over 30 years on, 30 years of warnings, nothing had changed. And now the drumbeats of the approaching Babylonian army were drawing ever closer to the gates of Jerusalem. But still it is not too late. If only the nation will heed the warnings. And so in order to reinforce the message, God uses a visual aid as Jeremiah is sent to a well-known place. Jeremiah is told to take a trip to the potter's house where he says he will receive a message from the Lord. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, there I'll give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and saw him working at the wheel. The potter would sit at his wheel, two circular stones connected by a vertical shaft, with his feet causing the upper disc to rotate, enabling both hands to be free to work the clay. A scene little changed. Even these days, although nowadays electrical power can sometimes supply what your feet did. In fact, only this week we were in the beautiful island of Jersey and we visited Jersey Pottery and there we saw potters at work doing this self-same thing. Now, we're going to look at the details in a moment, but the main point is the one that Mike made to the children. What is the message the Lord is communicating? Message received, the Lord says, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does and declares the Lord, like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The message is simply this. God is the potter. We are the clay. The message is not how great I am, but how great thou art. It's where the Bible begins. With God the Creator. In the beginning, Genesis 1, verse 1, first verse of the Bible, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything is made by God, culminating in the crown of His creation, which is human beings. The creation of man. Genesis 2 verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living being. The Hebrew word translated form there is the verb from which we get the noun potter. God the potter formed human beings from the dust of the ground, from clay. But his creative work is not completed. He continues to form people and nations even after our first parents messed things up, even when the clay was marred. And this is the message from the potter's hand that the Lord wants Jeremiah to communicate to the people of Judah. That they and we today are in the potter's hand. So, I want to focus on this more closely this morning. We're going to look at the chapter that Mike read to us, chapter 18 of Jeremiah, and then at chapter 19 as well. It will help to have a Bible in front of you. You're not going to read all of it. We're going to look at the themes, and you may want to follow along as you read on page 777 and 778. And these two chapters contain... What one writer describes as two parables from pottery. Two parables from pottery. Let me tell you where we're going on this. Chapter eighteen is about the shaped pot, how God shapes our lives. Chapter nineteen is about the smash pot that there may come a time when God smashes what He's created. So, let's look at these in turn. Okay, the shape pot. First of all then, Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house. He observes him at work on his wheel. The focus is, of course, on the potter's activity. The potter takes, as Mike uh, did, a lump of clay, begins to shape it with his hands. The potter has a plan in mind. An idea in his mind about what he wants it to become. It is not a random process involving inanimate forces It is the intelligent design of an intelligent designer. My wife gets fed up with my jokes, but every time when we lived in the Mans, we used to walk through Blackford Pond there. If you've been down there, there are some wooden animals by the side of the path as you go down there. And every time I go past, I say, isn't evolution wonderful? You know, just the forces of nature to shape this into a crocodile. Yeah? Well... No, God has a plan. He's a designer. His plan, in this case, is to shape a pot. But as Jeremiah watches this potter at work, he sees the potter as a problem. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. The problem is not with the potter and his skill, but with the clay, which is marred. So the original design doesn't work out as he planned. Now the crucial issue is, what does the potter do at this point? Does he throw the marred clay into the wastebasket and take another piece and begin again. No, he does something different. Notice his purpose. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. That is what Jeremiah saw in the potter's house. Then the Lord tells him what it means. It's a message for the people of Judah. The potter's activity is a picture of the Lord's activity. In relation to his people, the Lord is sovereign. O house of Israel, says the Lord, can I not do with you as the potter does? Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. He can do what he likes with the people of Israel. He can make them in whatever he chooses uh, them to be. However, the analogy falls down slightly at this point, because whereas clay is inanimate, cannot affect the potter's plans in any way. The people represented by the clay can influence the way that the Lord shapes their destiny. It's been very important to get a grasp of what the Lord is saying to Jeremiah and to us this morning. What he's saying is, the Lord is not an unpredictable deity who just picks up a piece of clay, makes it, discards it, and there's nothing you can do about it. No, the Lord says he shapes the clay according to his plan and according to principles that he has laid down. In the Bible Speaks Today commentary on Jeremiah, uh, Derek Kidner comments on God's readiness to change. That readiness to change, not capricious but self-consistent, corresponds to God's own freedom to revise either his threats or his promises. So he adds, every situation becomes an open one. Every threat a challenge to repent and see it cancelled. Every promise a call to persevere to its fulfilment. So what is he saying? He's saying, look, change is possible. And you can change in two directions. My plans for you may change in one of two directions. For your good or for your ill. And it depends on your response. Look very carefully what he says. The Lord's judgment can be averted. Verses 7 and 8. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down and destroyed, and if that nation I warn repents of its evil, then then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. But on the other hand, the Lord's favour can be forfeited. Look at verses 9 and 10. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and doesn't obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. Now, you see what the Lord is saying here. To them and to us. Change is possible. And God's plans, God has chosen in His sovereignty to lay down principles by which He effects His plans. If His people relent when he's got to bring them judgment and disaster, he will turn it to good. But if his people just sit there and assume, I'm a member of Charlotte Chapel, I'm a Christian, I can just do what I like, and disobey God and live in a way that is displeasing to him, the Lord will bring disaster upon us. We are responsible. There is no fatalism here. You can't just say, well it's not my fault, that's just the way God did it. Now, God has chosen to work in this particular way. Now, what the Lord says to Jeremiah is specifically a message to the people of Judah. Look at verse 11 as we go through this passage. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah, to those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. The Lord says to these people, You are my chosen people. I planned good for you. I chose you out of all the nations on earth. I began to shape you as my people. But you have forfeited my favour by your evil behaviour, and so he issues a warning of judgment. Look, he says, I'm preparing a disaster for you, devising a plan against you. The Lord is preparing, is shaping them as a vessel for destruction. They are heading for disaster. But with the warning of judgment, there is a way of salvation. It is not inevitable, even at this late stage, even after 30 years of warning. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, reform, Your ways and your action. It is a call to the nation to change direction by repentance, which means a change of mind, and reform, which is a change of behaviour. Even at this late stage, the Lord the potter is saying, I can still reshape you even though you're marred, you're spoiled. I can make something worthwhile of you. Now, what about the principle as it applies to us? There is no nation today that stands in the same exact relationship now as Israel did in those days. But the principles and promises still stand. They're addressed to every nation on earth. The Lord's message is for nations, very relevantly as we look at our elections this week. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people, says the Word of God. The Lord issues warnings to societies to change their ways before it's too late before disaster comes on the horizon and draws closer but it is also, notice carefully a message for individuals so he says, turn from your evil ways each one of you, the Lord says so this morning each one of us is called to make a response in relationship to God's plans for us so this is what the Christian gospel is all about It's why it's called good news The reality is that our world is heading for disaster. That each one of us has offended God, lived our own way. We don't fulfil what God intended for us. Our lives are in a mess, they're marred, they're spoiled. So what did God do? God made a way of salvation. This is the Gospel. Best known verse in the Bible. The God soul of the world, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not, what? Perish. In other words, the whole world is heading for perishing. But God sent His Son to make a way of escape, of salvation, but shall have everlasting life, eternal life. Now, I need to stop at this point and ask you, because I don't know all of you, I know a lot of you, but not all of you. Have you responded? Are you heading for disaster this morning? Have you put your trust in Jesus Christ? To respond by faith, to turn from your sin and putting your faith in Christ means that disaster is averted. Shall not perish, have eternal life. But to turn away, deliberately, means to perish at your own hand, as it were. And sadly, that is what happened with the people of Judah. Notice the response of the people of Judah to this message from Jeremiah. We go through the chapter. Although the Lord issues warnings and promises, sadly, he knows the response even before it is given. It is predictable. The Lord says, but they will reply, it's no use. We'll continue with our own plans. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of our evil heart. Instead of being shaped by the potter, they say, no, I want to shape my own life. I want to shape my own destiny. I don't want God's hands on my life. And the Lord goes on to say, he says, such a response is absolutely unbelievable he goes on to say, nothing like this has ever been seen among the nations before. If you look at verses 13 to 16, he says, think of the snow. It's always present on the mountain tops. Springs of cool water always flow from underground springs. Certain things are predictable, but virgin Israel has forgotten the Lord her husband and prostituted herself before idols that are not true gods. They're bringing disaster upon them. Can you imagine why anyone would turn away from God's gracious offer and go their own way stubbornly? It is Unbelievable. And saddest of all then, the response of the Lord to his people. If they, if we persist in going our own way, despite the Lord's gracious offers, then the Lord will turn his back on us. Look at verse 17. Like a wind from the east, I will scatter them before their enemies. I will show them my back and not my face in the day of their disaster. The Lord turns his back on them instead of turning his face towards them. Now, if you were an Israelite, This would bring home all sorts of memories. The priests of Israel were commanded to bless the people of Israel. That wonderful blessing, it's recorded at the end of Numbers uh, chapter 6. And they would say to the people, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. But these people have turned from the Lord And the Lord no longer turns his face towards them. He turns his back to them. That is a tragic situation. They have forfeited the Lord's favour. They began by saying, that's no use. We'll just continue with our own plans to shape our own lives. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of his evil heart. And even when they hear what the consequences will be, they will not change course. There are no change of plans by the people. Verse 18 They said, come, let's make plans against Jeremiah. For the teaching of the law by the priests will not be lost, nor will counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophets. Come, let's attack him with our tongues. Pay no attention to what he says. They ignore the word of the Lord from Jeremiah, and they say, we've got our own religious spokesman who will tell us what we want to hear. We'll just disregard the word of the Lord from Jeremiah. And no wonder poor Jeremiah breaks out once more into one of those terrible laments. If you read it, we're shocked by the vehemence of what Jeremiah says. It's easier to be critical of him from a neutral vantage point. In the NIV Application Bible, Andrew Dearman comments, readers do well to remember what Jeremiah seeks is judicial sentencing, not personal vengeance. We also need to notice the contrast with the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't pray vengeance upon those who persecuted him, but prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And in the extent of His love only hides the consequence if we persist in rejecting the Lord's warnings. The book of Hebrews puts it like this. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Hebrews 2, verse 3. Now, I pause at the end of this first chapter, this first part, and the second one will be a bit quicker, but I pause to ask you, are you in danger? You're sitting in Charlotte Chapel. Your life is in a mess. You're going your own way. You hear the word of the Lord. He graciously offers you a way of salvation and you say it's no use. I'm just going to persist in living the way I have chosen. There comes a time when God eventually turns his face away from you and turns his back towards you. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a matter of the utmost seriousness. And that's what happened with the people of Israel. So we turn what happened to the people of Israel? They persisted in their sin until the clay became hardened. They were hardened by unbelief and they turned from the shape pot to the smash pot. So, look with me more briefly at chapter 19 of Jeremiah. Here's Jeremiah. He receives further instructions from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. The Lord says, Make another visit to the potter's house. Uh, this time, he says, the purpose is not to watch the potter at work, you're to buy a finished product, to buy a clay jar. The word pot has now been changed to a specific word, uh, a specific item, a clay jar. Probably it was, a, it was a, one of those kind of flask things for putting liquids in. It's a wonderful word in Hebrew which sounds like it is, the word is "bukbuk." Buk. You imagine pouring it out book, 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 yeah know well, that's what the word is in, in Hebrew. And this time the Lord says to Jeremiah, "Don't go alone, take some of the leaders of Israel with you, verse one, and go to a chosen location to the valley of Ben Hinnom near the entrance to the potsherd gate, and there you're to deliver my message, there proclaim the words I tell you. And the words and actions are closely tied to the message. What does the Lord say to Jer- through Jeremiah? He says, d day is coming." for me I've just broken the pot there see. not deliverance but disaster verse 3 hear the word of the Lord O kings of Judah and the people of Jerusalem this is what the Lord Almighty the God of Israel says listen I'm going to bring a disaster on this place that will make the ears of everyone who hears of it tingle the Lord goes on to say this calamity is caused by sin the cause is terrible sin the place where Jeremiah preaches his message is symbolic This valley of Ben-Hinnom, the sons of Hinnom, had a terrible, sinister history. The worst king of Judah, Manasseh, 55 years reign. The worst king ever had sacrificed children by burning them on altars in this very valley. When people turn away from the Lord, they turn to their other gods, and they always exact a terrible price, not least on the most vulnerable in society, like children. But the slaughter of the innocents will now be followed by the slaughter of the guilty. The people of Judah and their descendants who persist in the same kind of sin continue to turn away from the Lord. There will be a name change, the Lord says. It will no longer be the valley of Ben-Hinnom. It will be the valley of slaughter. The consequence will be terrible suffering. And it's a terrible scene. I don't really want to read the verses. It's such an awful description. The Lord says, what is going to happen in this very city? The people will become carrion for birds and animals and even parents will turn to cannibalism because they've rejected the Lord. And he says, all those who pass by, verse 8, will be appalled and will scoff because of its wounds. Now, let's be honest, friends. We don't often hear this kind of thing. If you were picking passages to preach on, you wouldn't preach on a passage like this. But this is the same God... The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God who sadly ultimately brings judgment when we continue to turn against Him. You reap what you sow. The wages of sin is death. There can come a point where there is no way back, no possibility of change. That was the case of the people of Judah. And to make the point, the Lord tells Jeremiah to take the clay jar he's purchased from the potter. Now, he's to use it symbolically. Some believe it was filled with liquid that he poured out symbolically as a sign of God's judgment poured out on the people. We can't be sure about this. What we do know, and I'm not going to do it because I'll probably injure some people down there, uh, but he takes the clay pot and he hurls it to the ground and it's smashed in pieces. He says, then break the jar while those who go with you are watching. It's called the potsherd gate because broken pottery was dumped in that place that was useless. The jar was to be signed... Uh, smashed as a sign of the Lord's judgment in devastating destruction. Verse 11 say to them, This is what the Lord Almighty says I will smash this nation and this city just as the potter's jar is smashed and cannot be repaired. And this time there is no possibility of change. You cannot, this is not a clay jar, but it, the purpose is the same. I can't shape it into anything else, it's fixed. When a clay jar is put in the kiln and finally fired, there is no more possibility of it being shaped into something different. It is fixed in its form. And once it is smashed, there is no putting the pieces together again. It's a sign of irreversible action. There will be mass death in the city. The Lord says the graveyards will be full. They will bury the dead in Topheth until there is no more room. This is what I'll do to this place, to those who live here, declares the Lord. I'll make this city like Topheth the name for Hinnom, in shame. And this judgment, the Lord says, will not just occur in this valley, but even in the city of Jerusalem itself. The houses in Jerusalem and those of the kings of Judah will be defiled like this place, Topheth, all the houses where they burnt incense, on the roofs to all the starry hosts and poured out their drink offerings to their gods, the gods they had made, because they believed how great I am instead of how great thou art. And so Jeremiah bravely, even knowing this and knowing their plans, returns to Jerusalem where he repeats his message, proclaims it in Jerusalem. Jeremiah then returned from Topheth where the Lord had sent him to prophesy. He stood in the court of the Lord's temple and said to all the people, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Listen, I'm going to bring on this city and the villages around it. Every disaster pronounced against them because they were stiff-necked and would not listen to my words the final words explain the reason they heard the warnings they failed to respond to them and persisted in their own way they were hardened into unbelief the once pliable pot is now hard as stone the shaped pot becomes the smashed pot Derek Kidner comments if there is nothing so workable as the clay pot in the making there is nothing so unalterable as the finished article if it is wrong by then that is that now, almost finished. We need to apply carefully and seriously what we're saying from this passage. Two parables about pottery and what the Lord says to us in Charlotte Chapel here this morning and those who may listen to this on the internet or on a tape. First of all, the shape part reminds us of the possibility of change. The Lord is the potter, we're the clay. Our future shape lies in his hands, but he is to promise to shape us for a good purpose if we will turn to him and walk in his ways. Let me speak to those of you who are Christians this morning. I just Some of you think back and some of it's a long time think when you first became a Christian some of you quite recently, wonderfully Christianity explored a month ago some of you, like me 40-50 years ago when you first came to faith God took you and he saved you He began to shape your life make something of you now how many years on it is what's the design looking like? successful? is God making you the person he wanted you to be? Some of us, if we're honest with God and with ourselves, which is hard sometimes, would say, in all honesty, what God wanted to make me has been spoiled and marred. My life as a Christian is not what it should be. And some of the things I hope to do for the Lord, the ambition I had, the call of God that I resisted, the plans that God had for my life, have been spoiled and marred. Now, I simply want to say to you this morning, you're still in the potter's hand. What does he do? Does he say, "Ah, what a mess. Chuck it in the bin, I'll find somebody else. Does he discard the clay? No. He says to you this morning, I can still shape you if you'll repent and turn to me. I can still make something out of your life, no matter how old you are. No matter what mess you've made of your life. This is a wonderful message, is it not? Break me. Melt me. Mold me. Fill me. We began with it. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Do you believe it can happen? That's why despite all the warnings and judgments we've read in this series thus far, we've called this series, we didn't call it Living in Despair. We called it living in hope. That's the message of our verse for the year, card. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. God sent His Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. But we must turn from our sin and turn to Him. And when we do that, God begins to shape us and mould us and use us. There's a lovely verse in the New Testament that picks up this theme. I don't know whether the Apostle Paul was thinking about it, but writing to the Christians in Corinth, who certainly needed a lot of reshaping, if you know their background and history. He writes them and he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. The treasure of the gospel of God's spirit and presence. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. God has chosen to put the crown jewels in a plant pot pot and that's God's great plan for us to take, take us and use us to fill us with his spirit so are you allowing God to do that, will you allow God to do that this morning maybe God has been warning you about the course that your life is taking that no one else knows about you're heading for disaster so you can book the system, I'm not going to read what I saw God comes to you this morning and says, will you allow me to shape you To mould you. Yeah. The clay in my hand, it's marred. It's a mess. Will you allow God to shape you? Or will you persist in your own way? Because the other side of the coin is this. The shaped part speaks about the possibility of change. The smashed part speaks about the certainty of judgment. The warning from God's word. New Testament, quoting Old Testament, is this. So as the Holy Spirit says. Today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. A message of hope. Shaped, changed. A message of warning. Smashed. Judgment. Today, if you hear his voice. Don't harden your heart. Don't put it off. Respond while you can. Let's do that as we come to God in prayer. Each one of us this morning are individuals Different lives, different experience, and different experiences of God's grace in our lives. If you're not a Christian this morning, you're heading for disaster. You have another opportunity. Today is the day of salvation for you. Turn from your sin and put your trust in Christ. If you are a Christian this morning, maybe God is challenging you to turn from the direction you've been going that has marred your life. Your trust in Him afresh to allow Him to take the marred clay of your life and to mould it and shape it into something useful for His purpose, whatever it may be, that's His choice. Your part is to allow Him to do that before it's too late, Lord God. You know our hearts, you know our actions your word penetrates beyond the facade and the pretense that we so often fashion to fool people. Lord, as we hear your word this morning, may each one of us turn to you and put our trust afresh in you and allow you to shape and mould our lives today while we have the opportunity. May our hearts not be hardened by sin and unbelief but softened and molded and shaped by your plans for us. We ask it in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.